You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1081 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's podcast is sponsored by the good folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's podcast will conclude our player capsule series with Zach Cota Peachtree Hoops. But before that, I want to introduce myself a little bit. Obviously, we've had some longtime listeners, and I thank you all for checking out the podcast since it launched back in 2016. And uh, if you're a new listener, though, it's time for the season. The Hawks will open the campaign officially on Monday with Media Day. But even before that, Travis Schlank will speak to the media on Friday morning, which is sort of the unofficial kickoff of the season. So we're basically arrived, and we've all done it together. But if you do not know this podcast just yet, or if you're a new subscriber, again, my name is Brad Rowland. I'm also a writer on the staff at Dime on Uproxx, covering the NBA, the NBA draft, college basketball, etc. I also write for Sportsline over at CBS. I do some Braves work at Talking Chop, as well as hosting the Talking Chop podcast, talking about the baseball team here in Atlanta. And formerly, I was the editor-in-chief over at Peachtree Hoops. I'm no longer that. I stepped down over the summer for some time-constraint issues. And in fact, Zach Coe is on this podcast today, stepped in for me. But I have been covering the Hawks for a very, very long time. And I'm glad that you have chosen to join us on the podcast. Um, also, with the season ramping up, we'll get back to a normal schedule of sorts. Sort of downshifted in this brief offseason season. Of course, famously, the Hawks had a long playoff run, followed by the draft and free agency and summer league. So it was a short offseason. But during that, I've kind of gone down to like three episodes a week on the podcast. Normally, it's closer to four or five, um, even occasionally six or seven if if there's big news on the podcast. But we'll be getting back into that next week. There is one scheduling note that I wanted to point out to you is that next week, um, in the middle of training camp, I actually have to fly out for a wedding. Good friend of the podcast, Robbie Callen, who's been on the show several times, used to cover the Hawks regularly, is getting married. Shouts to Robbie and Crystal. I'm the groomsman of that wedding, so I'll be on the road next weekend. But other than that, we'll be diving in four or five times a week to the Hawks, beginning um, really right now. And uh, it's the season we'll be starting momentarily. And also, if you're newly adopting the podcast, we've been doing these player capsules since, uh, you know, almost like the last month or so, covering every single player on the roster. Today will be Solomon Hill and DeAndre Hunter. Before that, every single player from two ways to full roster guys and even some emergency podcasts on the non-guaranteed guys, Timothy Wabu Cabarro and Joel Okafor. We've covered it all on this podcast, getting sort of look back on their previous work, um, their role on this year's team, previewing what they might be able to do, um, both on the floor, off the floor, all that kind of stuff in the next coming and sort of in the coming days here. So today's podcast will be myself and Zach talking about two players mostly, but we also slip in some talk about TLC and Okafor in the middle of the podcast. So wide ranging, and we'll have much more to come when camp opens on Monday, essentially with Media Day. So. Um, I say all of that to say thank you for joining us on the podcast. I hope you're ready for a fun Hawk season with some expectations for the first time in a while. Lots of game stuff going to be happening, preview stuff for most games and um, post-game shows for every game and all that stuff on the podcast, guests, solo shows, mailbags, etc. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the show, and we'll have a lot of fun together this season. All right, before we get to Zach and the talk about Solomon Hill and DeAndre Hunter, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Bilt Bar. 
With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. I am joined once again by Zach Hood of Peace Tree Hoops. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on for this final capsule, I guess. Yeah, the final uh, final stretch, as I talked about before I brought you in. Yeah, lots of content, and I appreciate you doing it. Uh, I will not bug you for a while after this on this podcast, but uh, thank you for all the time. Um, today, we'll get into DeAndre Hunter as sort of the, the main course later on in this podcast, but I want to start with Solomon Hill, um, who obviously was a bigger part of the team last year than was designed coming into the season. And it's kind of funny. I will cop to this. I even forgot that Solo was not older than this. Uh, Zach, Solo, Solo is 30 right now. And I think he's treated like he's 38 by most people, um, including the team. But he's 30 years old, which uh, I had just forgotten. I kept, I'm not sure what number I thought was real. It was actually what I thought. But uh, yeah, he's 30 years old, entering his ninth season. And Last year, the headliner basically is that Solomon Hill played in 71 of the 72 games in the regular season, and the only game that he missed, he was healthy. He was a coach's decision once, um, but he was fifth on the team in total minutes last year at more than 1,500 for the season. He played more than Bogey total minutes, more than Gallinari, more than Hunter and Reddish combined. Uh, it was a lot of Solomon Hill last year, and I really enjoy Solomon Hill, but that was not the plan for anybody. Yeah, I mean, definitely won't happen again. I would feel like I could say that. He was fine, though. I mean, obviously in the playoffs, they had some times where, you know, I'm not going to say he was played off the court or anything. He wasn't like outmatched, but he just what they just needed to prioritize shooting and creation. And I mean, that's he was never designed to play in the playoffs, especially. So, I mean, that really wasn't the more surprising thing is that he actually had some games in the playoffs where he did play like a lot of minutes. And I think the Hawks. It wasn't the Knicks series. He played a lot in a couple of those wins, right? Yeah, I mean, they still had to play him just because, you know, Hunter was back in the Knicks series. But in particular, Philly, too, like, they had to use him. And that was the theme of the season. They just had to use him a lot. And he's kind of a four, and they kind of know it. But he played a lot of three last year. And he's just, like, he's an NBA player, but he's not someone that – they want to play like they sign him in part for depth, but also because he's like an awesome locker room guy, which everybody knows, but it ended up working out. Okay. And I know at times, particularly in the playoffs and big games, you know, the fan base will turn on Solomon Hill, you know, Solomon Hill stinks. is like something people always say, and that's not like, you're not wrong. Um, no one wanted Solomon Hill to play that much other than maybe Solomon Hill. Like the team didn't want to play him that much last year. But he won't kill you either. Like, he's a good team defender, all that stuff that we'll get into. But it's just interesting 
because he's like the perfect kind of guy to get made fun of by certain fans because he like can't score and all that stuff but he's also super valuable other ways like team defense which is like something that only people that are diehards really care about but uh he's fascinating that's for sure yeah no i mean i'll i'll just go out on a limb and say he's gonna end up be he's already a hawks legend for sure he's gonna end up being like one of those jared dudley like celebrated because i mean there's really no path to him getting like a guaranteed job anywhere but i feel like people like him enough and he's good enough at some stuff to where he's always just going to get signed probably for like the next five or six years and everywhere he goes, they're going to love him. And maybe it's Atlanta the whole time. I don't know, but he's young enough and like just low maintenance enough to where I feel like he's just going to end up being like a, a guy who's like way more famous than like how much he plays. Just for, <laughs> I mean, like if he, he's going to end up on the Lakers or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a pro's pro. That's the thing about Solomon Hill and, you know, we will talk about a little bit of basketball stuff, but there's uh, just the thing about having Solomon Hill on your team is that he doesn't care if he plays. I mean, obviously he's a professional athlete. He has confidence. I'm very confident, but he, you know, understands the packing order, understands where he is. You know, he, he knew where he signed. You know, he, he signed a non-guaranteed contract last year. Um, he kind of knew what the deal was, but he's also a great leader. He's a vocal guy. Everyone loves him, like, without fail. I've still not found anyone that doesn't love Solomon Hill um, around around the team and really around the league. Everyone likes the guy. And, you know, if you get two injuries, he can play the three for you if you if you need him to. He can play the four for you if you need him to. Um, and defensively, he's totally fine. Like, he's not a great, like, on-ball guy at this point in his career, but he's a great communicator. I know Glenn Willis, um, our friend, talks about that all the time, but he's a great organizer. Like, he just gets people where they need to be, and he's in the right place at the right time all the time. So... Yeah, he's the kind of guy who can hang around for a while on minimums for sure. Like, he's a minimum guy for no, without question. But, I mean, anybody that would, you know, question or be upset about the Hawks bringing him back on a minimum, I would just say that's that's kind of a silly question. Like, no one – yes, if, if he starts playing more – if he starts playing over Jalen Johnson this season, I know Hawks fans are going to be furious, and I will understand that. But having Solomon Hill around as an extension of the coaching staff – as someone who can play and not get you killed, it's like kind of a no-brainer, particularly when you factor in the locker room stuff. Because honestly, like you know, Trey's the leader of the team; he's the face of the team. But in terms of like old, old head veterans, they have Lou and they have Solo, and you know those are two very different guys. But they have Gallo. some better they got and Gallo. Gallo too. But like Gallo's playing; like Gallo's yeah. firmly in the rotation. Lou probably will play too. But like Solomon Hill is more of a vocal leader than really anybody else on the team, other than you know Trey's just that by default but like lose more of a one-on-one like obviously an old head and Gallo's not a huge vocal leader Solomon Hill is loud man and they all they all talk about it like he's the guy who's chirping all the time yeah he keeps that he's kind of I think um Lloyd Pierce compared him to Deadman. he just kind of keeps everyone like on a lighter like side of like you can say stuff without offending people you know what I mean like you can just just be yourself and like joke around and stuff We've probably, we've probably covered it in a decent amount of detail there. but like, I just remember Deadman was like that. He was like crazy. Oh, Deadman. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit different, but... Yeah, I just Deadman, mean like I just mean like the, pro, the end product of like just being like a gritty like vet that like kind of like, I don't know, like takes people like in a different direction than like... Yeah, he, he knows what he knows how to get a yeah. team looser or more focused. And obviously that's, that's the coaching staff's job too, but having a guy who's been around and just is, knows, knows what's going on. And obviously 
his Twitter account is, is now the stuff of legend. Everyone loves his Twitter account. Um, that's obviously not a huge deal, but he's fantastic. Uh, and that's, you kind of get a peek into the social media, into the brain of uh, Solomon Hill with all that stuff. Uh, on the court, you know, he's not a good offensive player. Uh, I'll be honest, like, I am partial to Solomon Hill. I'll admit that. He's not a good offensive player. Uh, he had a 50% true shooting last year on 10% usage. So very, very small usage and very inefficient. Um, he takes almost all of his shots from three at this point. Not, not going to be a guy who gets to the rim a lot. So he's definitely like a floor spacer. and You're just hoping that he gets guarded. He will shoot. That's one thing that I do like about Solomon Hill. He's not a great shooter, but he's not like a non-shooter that won't get it up. So he has to be kind of guarded out there. But, you know, overall, offensively, it's it's not great. I think everybody probably knows that, but it's worth saying. Yeah, I mean, it's really – I mean, I don't want to over – like, it really doesn't matter that his offense isn't good. I mean, obviously, uh, it would be – it's nice when he's making the shots, but, I mean, honestly, in the regular season, he might get guarded. But in the playoffs, if he's playing with Trey, like, he's not going to get guarded at this point. So – it just is what it is. I mean, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, kind of like Ron Artest at the end with the Lakers. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the value is on defense. And, like, he makes enough of – he makes, like, 35% of his wide-open threes. So, it's like you can live with it for, like, four minutes. That's the thing. You're putting him out there and you say, all right, Solo, be willing to shoot, be ready to shoot. That's all he can do. He's not a great shooter. Um, but if you look at the, at the lineup data, and we won't go crazy about it on the guy like Solomon Hill, but the Hawks were still in the positive net rating with him on the floor last year, which is pretty decent given what his role is and what he is. Um, it was better on defense with, with him on the floor than without. That makes sense. They were worse on offense with him on the floor than without. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, defensively, again, he's not like this fantastic lockdown one-on-one guy particularly against like quicker players. He's definitely more of a four in my view kind of right now. He could play a little bit of a three, but he's more built as a modern four. Like he's, you know, six, seven or so, but he's stout. He's very strong and he is very, very smart and a good organizer. So like clearly he should play a lot less this year than he did last year. He, you know, the the guys who are ahead of him, you know, basically there are four wings ahead of him clearly. And it's the four young guys. Um, well, three young guys in bogey. And then you get also, they can also play DeLon Wright at the two if they wanted to. They can play Jalen Johnson. They can, you can play Skylar Mays um, if they wanted to um, and, and sort of shift guys around. And also at the four, like you have Collins, Gallinari, Hunter can play there a little bit. Jalen can play there a little bit, obviously. So like it's going to take probably two injuries to have him play like regularly. But I've, I've kind of joked about this. I, there is a comfort level with Nate McMillan and Solomon Hill to where it's not going to stun me if he plays more than he maybe should, uh, particularly early in the season when Nate just looks down at the bench and just knows that what exactly what he's going to get from Solomon Hill. And sometimes veteran coaches like veterans, and he might play a little bit too much. I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to be a lot, but like, would that surprise you if like Solo was like playing on the third game of the season at some point? Wouldn't surprise me if he played the first game. Like if Capella gets two fouls and Collins moves to center, then Solo could play like a little bit of backup power forward. If you know if Capella has a foul trouble game or something. Yeah, I mean he's he's the guy you trust if you get in an uncomfortable situation, like you said. That's what it comes down to. Like I think if I were to map out the rotation that I would project if everybody's healthy on night one, he wouldn't be in it. But one foul trouble, one injury absence, and. I don't know if it's going to be Solomon Hill in that instance, but it might be. Uh, and 
I, I know I referenced it once in, earlier in passing. I, I can already just feel the venom from Hawks fans the first time he plays and Joan doesn't. It's going to be, uh, it's going to happen at some point. I mean, <laughs> if Capella fouls out with, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it up closing the game, but if Capella picks up his fifth foul late in the third quarter and Gallo's already in the game, I mean, it's going to be kind of weird to put Hillen in that situation, I guess, and Gallo go to center or something, but. I don't know. I mean, I could just, there's going to be a time where like they look flat or something and he just puts Solomon Hill in to like play hard too. Yeah. He knows what you're going to get. That's uh, something that you cannot overstate for, especially because Nate is a veteran coach and he likes veterans. Um, that's probably enough on solo for the most part. I will say that I liked bringing him back. He is great in the locker room. Uh, things have gone very, very wrong. If he plays 1500 minutes a game, that I will stand by, even as uh, I definitely think that I am higher on Solomon Hill than most, but you do not want that to happen again. Um, but aside from that, like he just is a guy that every team kind of would like to have around, um, both to not play and to play, basically. Yeah, he'll be good. I mean, because there's going to be a lot of times where him and Jalen Johnson are on the bench at the same time, and I feel like that could be like a, a good thing for Jalen Johnson. Yeah, clearly they're... I know I know that you know this, but just to add to that, they're very different, but it's kind of the same. It's similar, not the same, but, you know, it's kind of like having Sharif around Lou Williams. It's, well, they're both know. going to have to play the four on defense. So like, Oh, no, he could definitely yeah. he can definitely help Jalen Johnson with his defensive stuff yeah. mentally. No question about that. Obviously, you know, their roles will be different in terms of what they're going to be long term. So it's not quite as, it's not quite as clean as Sharif and Lou. But I totally agree. I mean, having if I'm the Hawks. It's a little thing, but if, I would love to have Solomon Hill sitting next to Jalen Johnson on the bench watching games uh, and telling him where to be and talking talking through stuff. That's the it's a, it might sound like a little thing, and it probably is, but uh, Solo knows the game and knows how to knows how to think through things and act on things, playing the three, playing the four, the same kind of positions as Jalen. So that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and then you have like the other. It's the only thing on Jalen Johnson, but the other part of Jalen, the other side of that would be like you have the same kind of like you know, people in the building and stuff around, I mean, like from a development standpoint, that kind of helped Collins turn into like a really good shooter and stuff. So you hope that, you know, he could kind of do that. And then defensively, I I think he's going to be fine, like pretty soon, but. Yeah. Um, all right. That's probably good for Solo. I will, we're not going to do full capsules on this section because I've already offered like probably 10 minutes each on, on these guys when they were brought in, but uh, do you have any thoughts on either uh, Luwawu Cabarro or Jalil Okafor? Because uh, in addition to Johnny Hamilton and uh, AJ Lawson, who are also on the camp roster, I think the consensus and what I've heard as well is that it's basically a two-man race for that final roster spot between Okafor and TLC. They're very different players, but any thoughts on that uh, potential battle going on in the next couple of days and like where you might want to go with that? Okay, so my, my prediction slightly depends on it could change if we find out hunter is not going to be ready for the first game then i think tlc makes it and then i think if he is back i would probably lean towards okafor but i wouldn't be like shocked at all if they still just kept the extra wing i mean tlc is the more modern 2021 like let's play this guy 20 minutes i mean it's going to be hard to okafor would only play if someone was hurt or like resting or something and even when he i don't really see his fit with the hawks offense at all so no. <laughs> um i tend to agree 
I don't, that's really all I've got on it. But yeah, I would go. I would I would keep TLC no matter what, and especially if Hunter is not you know ready to go the first game, I would keep TLC like. I would be like mad if they didn't almost. I'd be like, what are, what's going on? Yeah. yeah, I think that is close to where I am too. I I think the way I put it before was, you know, TLC is very clearly the better player and better asset overall in my view because of you know, he's, he's a wing who can play in the NBA. Like he's not great, but he's a rotation caliber wing and those guys are valuable. Um, Okafor isn't like a non-NBA player, but I agree with you on the fit. It's a little bit clunky and it's really just how much do they care about having a third center? That's really the entire conversation. If that's a priority for Travis Schlank, then maybe it's going to be Okafor. If it's all things equal, I think you've got to lean TLC. And I also agree with you on the Hunter point or anybody else. Like, you know, Hunter's the one that's currently coming back from something. But if you get another injury to Herter or Bogdanovich or Cam in camp, even if it's only a couple weeks or something like that, um, somebody's banged up, having another body there. Like, if they had to play TLC... 15 minutes opening night, I wouldn't be bothered by that. Like right now they don't, they don't need to do that. But if you have an injury or something weird, like I, I trust him to play 15 minutes opening night more than I would trust Okafor. And I mean, he's fine. It's like Philly's going to play like Cork Moss and stuff like that. Like not yeah. every, every team has like a perfect. I mean, he, he played for, he played for Brooklyn last season. Yeah, which, Brooklyn was good. I, would, I wouldn't go apples to apples. Cause Brooklyn has like just, I don't know. I mean, me and you could almost play with. Those well, guys. yeah, but but I mean, but, like a, a good a good team thought enough of him to play him real minutes last season. Like, he's oh, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, he could play on anybody's bench for sure. But like, I wouldn't go use lineup data from the Durant. Oh no, I, I would. I wouldn't either. That's why I would not even pretend to do that. But no, I I agree. It's just that it's it's honestly all about roster construction and what you prefer. Because I I've done the I've done the research on this. You know, Travis his teams in Atlanta have pretty much always had at least three, sometimes four or five centers on the roster. He seems to like to have that insurance at that position in particular. Now, the counter would be that the Hawks do have guys who can play the five who are not fives, like Collins and even Gallo. But if they just want, want that center, it could be Okafor. And I, I wouldn't love that, but I would at least like kind of understand it. I would prefer TLC on the record about that. But I would hate it. I would rather Jalen Johnson be the third center than Okafor. I, mean, I don't. I. I mean, yeah. I, I who don't cares? Know. It's like three minutes every. Well, that that's the game. thing. That's the thing. Like, it comes down to philosophy because I know when it was Bud, for instance, like Bud definitely wanted another center option around. They all. They all kind of. They kind of just defaulted to that. And even I swear, if you go through the rosters, the the Hawks have always had four, really four centers, maybe it's, even five centers on the roster. I just play basketball. It doesn't matter. I, I'm kind of with you. I'm just saying yeah. that's like. Uh, even no, trying, I mean, I, yeah, trying no, to get I, an interview at Summer League to uh, to Sarah and Chris, and even mentioned that they were hard on the lookout, and I talked about it a lot. Like they were looking for they were looking for centers all summer, and I, maybe that was just for camp depth. That's possible. Maybe you just want a guy in there to play against the bigs in camp. But if it comes down to it, uh, I mean, I am with you. We're on the same page. I would keep TLC uh, barring something weird. But I also wouldn't even care about like. If there's four minutes available and we're gonna let Jalil Okafor have him, like please give him to the first round pick. Like, my it's, God. It, I think it's like, more. I think it's. I don't more even like, care what. Like just let him get some like experience. If we're gonna let, I don't know. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's really more about like what happens if Capella or Gorgie Jang miss a month in the I mean, first in the first three months without a Kongwu. That's really I, what it's the whole thing. I, 
I hope it's not Okafor playing a lot. Well, and that's I also agree there's, with you. There's no upside to keeping him because I don't want to. I mean, no offense to him, I just don't see no, any fit. fit we're on at the all. same like, page. I mean, I think that I think what it comes down to is they they offered that non guaranteed contract. I, I'm not I'm not reporting this. I've heard they've offered that non guaranteed contract to multiple centers. Yeah, Okafor was Okafor was probably just the one that took it, and that's okay. He's not the greatest fit in the world in Atlanta, to put it kindly, in my opinion as well. So. Uh, I would rather have like Biombo or something like that, who was just like you just trust more defensively and can throw out there and he won't kill you. Okafor is not really what they need at third center, which maybe swings things. If I'm if I'm TLC's agent and I know the whole time the Hawks were going to sign a center, I'm probably happy that it was Okafor they signed. Yeah, just no, just was, for like logistics. I yeah, know. I mean, yeah, TLC's definitely. I mean, he's going to be better than pretty much any free agent big. It's just all about. Who, who it, needs it, it comes down to what how honestly i'm sure nate's in the mix here too i mean travis is the one that builds the roster but given nate's cachet and he's the head yeah. coach i am confident nate is a part of that conversation to say all right nate do you want us to carry this third traditional center or can you can slash will you be flexible enough to get through it's like you, it's like you said though and i would hope that i mean I'm sure there's things you know that the Hawks consider that you know I don't think about obviously, but I would hope like that they agree with you that the defense would be the whole point. I mean, if you're gonna bring in a center, and then Capella goes down, and your 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 concern is you're gonna be bad on defense, but your answer is to play Jing and Okafor. I don't really. <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, the argument, like, and you kind of get if into Capella it. goes down, you're screwed probably either way i would I, jalen johnson is better at basketball than jill for right now and that's and, that's that's really what it comes down to is like if you were to lose capella for a while i would be more comfortable personally just like either you could start jeng if you want to but just playing collins 20 minutes a night at center then i would want to play yeah Jaylen. and i'm not even saying playing jalen johnson where okafor would be playing oh, i know I, i'm just saying like okay capella being out or whoever it is being out creates x amount of minutes Give him to Jalen Johnson, not Jaleel Okafor. That's or or give him or give him to Gallo. I mean, Gallo would play more too. Yeah. So that, I mean, they, it's not even just Jalen. Well, I don't. I, I you, personally but... wouldn't want to ramp Gallo up, and really, I mean, in the regular season, I mean, it well, just... I, I wouldn't want to play him a ton. I just think if you if you knew that it was a month long injury, you could play Gallo thirty minutes to twenty four minutes. Yeah. You, can, you, you can play guys more minutes and that would probably include Joan Johnson, you would imagine. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, we're, I mean, we're off the rails, but I think I th- that's, uh... I think, I think just to stay off the rails, I think, I think Jalen Johnson <laughs> is better than like people think right now. Like I, I'm, I would, I don't even think he's going to be bad as a be- better, better than non Hawks fans. Cause Hawks fans are thinking he's well, going to start yeah, in 20, I mean... 30 minutes. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but no, no it's no. uh, I, I, I think he would be fine. By it's standards. just like, I mean, I'm not basing it. In, I don't even care about the stats from summer league or the scoring. I just think he's so big and so athletic, and he seemed to have a pretty good grip that, like, once he readjusts, I know there's going to be like a calibration to like the real NBA from summer league, but I think once he catches up, I don't, I don't see why he would struggle as far as on defense and stuff. Like, I don't, and the scoring doesn't matter. The Hawks are like probably the most talented offensive roster in the league like one to eight so no the talent the talent is what it is to where like I, I i don't think he's gonna get you killed i mean he'll he'll do rookie stuff that's gonna drop probably drive nate crazy but from the outside like no i, I, I would say this there's stuff jalen johnson can do that no one else on the team could do 
yeah. as far as like being six nine and like like on defense. Like Collins is six nine, but really he doesn't like defend like that. Like he's not a, like an explosive defender the way he, you would like think if you saw him play often. You know what I mean? Like he's more of a be in the right spot type defender every now and then he'll have like a, a nice poster block but like johnson is gonna be like if he pans out he's gonna be like almost i feel like kind of like he's gonna have some lebron type blocks in the open court and stuff you heard it here first folks zach compares jalen johnson to lebron james Ch- chase down chase down artist badge on 2k uh all right we, that's <laughs> <laughs> we're off the rails all right uh that's enough on the uh, on solo and the non-roster guys for now we'll have more of that i'm sure during camp uh, we're going we're to talk about DeAndre Hunter in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again, but frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time, and you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences, and The best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Bet online is back and better than ever. All eyes right now are on the gridiron with football teams across the country back on the field starting another season. And as always, Bet Online is the number one spot for all the professional and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for all things football. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double, yes, double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. That is promo code NFL100 to have that double your initial deposit. For football, basketball, boxing, and all of your favorite casino games, as well as golf, tennis, baseball, MMA, etc., don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for you right now and throughout the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Zach, let us discuss DeAndre Hunter, who will be the last player in the player capsule series. Um, not on purpose. That wasn't really just like designing it that way, but it just kind of worked out. Um, Hunter, last season, of course, didn't play a ton. Played 24 minutes. Sorry, he'll be, he'll be sorry. I had that written down wrong. He'll, he'll be 24 years old in December. Uh, he played in 86 games the last two seasons. Last year, a very, very limited sample size. He left the game on January 29th after 12 minutes and was basically out the rest of the year. He played a little bit at the end of the season and then he played in the next series. But um, really, his real full-go sample last year was 17 games, the first 17 games of the season, and he was awesome. Uh, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 65% true shooting, just ridiculous stuff. And the Hawks were very good with him on the floor, even when they weren't winning a lot. People, I mean, think back now, they weren't terrible early in the year last year, but they weren't lighting the world on fire either. But when Hunter was playing, they were quite good, and he was quite good. And then you get into it, like he played five games on the stretch and played 20 minutes a game and kind of you know killed his numbers a little bit, didn't look like himself. He was okay in the playoff series, I thought, but wasn't quite what he was early in the year. So 
the big thing looming, and I'll bring you in here now on this, is like we talked about it a little bit a few minutes ago with TLC, but the big thing is what the health looks like for Hunter. And uh, Travis Schlenk's going to talk to the media on Friday uh, morning, and that might be a time where he gets asked, and I'll probably ask if nobody else does, about DeAndre's status and uh, Okongwu's status and all that injury stuff. But as we record this now, the only update we have on Hunter officially was a few months ago that said he'd be ready for training camp. That was that was the goal. So we're hoping slash expecting that to happen. But that is the number one question. Uh, really, I guess there's two questions. Number one is, is he going to be healthy? And number two is, was that first 17 games real? Because if it was, even on some level, then he's going to be very good. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Hunter is, like, he's so methodical. I feel like it was definitely real. It's just a matter of if you can get that knee right and get the rhythm. I mean, it's it's not easy to – people, I think, don't understand this dynamic sometimes. It's like you can't just come back from injury and get all your shots back. Like, there's a whole ecosystem of people and how they've been playing together. And, like, he might come back and be the same guy and not average 20 points a game. or what. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be hard for him – to get like right back into the that like peak of what what he was able to do at the beginning of the season last season but I think if he's healthy I believe in you know all the progress he made there's going to be a rust factor potentially I don't know if, if he'll be rusty or not I mean we just there's so much information we don't have we don't know how, if he's been playing five on five for a month if he's not playing at all I mean it's just really hard to say like what he's going to look like I mean at this moment yeah, I was, I was actually, to give people a look behind the, behind the curtain, I was going to hold this podcast until Sunday or Monday. And then the Hawks announced that they were, that Travis was talking to the media on Friday. So now we have to post it because <laughs> Travis will give an update on this that we don't have. So at least people won't realize we post this before we start talking. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because that's, I have tons of questions about his health stuff. I mean, I've always liked Hunter. Uh, I had him in my top five, that draft where people were not necessarily up there on him, uh, you know, He's an older guy. I mean, the fact that he's going to be 24 soon, I think it's just a reminder that he was an older guy when he was drafted, but he still flashed so much upside last season when he was playing well. The one thing I will say about the early season um, flash last year was that, uh, this, I think it's pretty obvious, but he's not going to have a 65% true shooting. Like I think the shooting was pretty clearly above his head, um, just because it's above almost everyone's head. Um, the one thing that I will point out that is the reason for that, in my view, He's, he shot 59% on long twos last season, and no one does that. Like, not even Kevin Durant does that, basically. Like, that's a number that you can't replicate. So if you're picking one thing that's, you know, almost has to be not real, it's 59% on long twos. Because, again, like, no one, Dirk, KD, no one does that. Steph doesn't even shoot 60% on long twos. So uh, that's going to come down. I don't know where it's going to land. I do trust his shot, though. I mean, to bring all full circle, I think that he's going to shoot the ball well. I just don't exactly know. I don't think anybody knows where his shooting baseline is. I think it's going to be, you know, probably above average as a shooter overall, but I'll be interested to see where that actually ends up because, you know, he's not this dynamic, like, playmaker for others. He's going to be more of a scorer offensively than uh, than other things. So he has a lot of things to offer. Like, the mid-range game is really polished, and that's one of the things going back to college. He's been – it's kind of robotic, but he also has great fundamentals. He's got great – he's got great feet. Um, and I think he'll be able to score in a lot of different ways, but – I don't know what – I still don't really know for sure what kind of shooter he is. Yeah, I mean, it's a big swing. I mean, if he's a great shooter, then he's like Chris Middleton, basically. And if he's not, then he's still like a really valuable player. So Yeah, there's ways for him to be good regardless. It's yeah. just more about his offensive ceiling but I mean, if you kind of think of, think of like a player, like I think Middleton is 
there's no comp is perfect, but I think if he became a great shooter, that's a decent comp in terms of like, um, like minus the like NBA finals, like ridiculousness, you know, just like regular Chris Middleton. Yeah, I yeah. that's not it's not a bad one. Obviously, the, the Kawhi one's been out there for a long time. I don't, I don't really love that. It's too extreme. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just not really fair to Hunter, but that's fine. Uh, I think just to go through it, I mean, he's still a guy who's six eight, a legit six eight with athleticism. He's very strong. Uh, I talked about the feet a second ago, but he's really polished, like getting by defenders. Finishing uh, has been decent enough in the NBA so far. His shooting, I, again, I, I do buy. Um, so, like, there's not a whole lot he can't do offensively. He's not, again, he's not like this point forward type where he's going to, like, create for others a, a ton, but he's not, he's not like a non-passer either. So, I think that, you know, this season, if he's healthy, could he average 18 a game? Sure he could, and do it efficiently. Um, I mentioned, I think, on our podcast earlier, maybe it's about Bogey. I think he's one of the four guys who I think could conceivably average 20 this year. I would not project that for Hunter, but if he's just, like, back where he was earlier in the year and then even taking another step forward, it's conceivable to me. I think I'd probably project something like, I don't know, 16, 17 a game for him. It's not it's not only about scoring, it's about efficiency and all that stuff and volume, but uh, I'm excited about his offensive game. And then defensively, you know, he's always been very good. And the one knock on him was he wasn't a huge playmaker in college, and that was kind of the same thing as a rookie. But even in a small sample size last year, the block rate was up, steal rate was up. Um, rebound rate was up. He was more active. He was better defensively. I don't think he was like elite still last season, but you could see the bones of what they were looking for him to be all along, which was like this big, physical, switchy, um, versatile defender. And that's, I think that's still what he's going to be. I, don't, I still don't think he's going to be this like, you know, all NBA level defender, but he'll be good, like capital G good, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's it's really just the health for me. Like, I think if he's like always been like, pretty consistent i mean i know his rookie year and stuff wasn't flashy but i mean i feel like you know what you're getting from deandre hunter and the the burst and scoring from the beginning of last season i think maybe you know like you said it comes down a little bit in terms of the efficiency but i don't know i mean a pretty efficient like 16 to 18 points and really good defense is what i would expect if he's healthy i mean yeah and I don't, I don't think there's any reason to say, like, he won't be healthy. I mean, I, hopefully whatever happened is fixed. We just haven't heard anything at all. So. Yeah, like, like I, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm literally going to read the last update on Hunter, which was uh, from June 15th. So that's, you know, three-plus months ago uh, during the postseason. He had the surgery to repair his torn lateral meniscus in his right knee. It was successful. And the quote was, he is expected to make a full recovery in advance of training camp. That's all we know. That was the last update from the Hawks in any official capacity about Hunter. So I have to, you have to go off what they have said um, until Friday. And then Travis will make another comment on the record, I assume, on Friday. Um, but yeah, I, I hope he's healthy. I mean, the meniscus injuries, they take a while, but that's the benefit of, if you want to call it a benefit, is having the offseason is that, you know, that was three plus months ago. And the Hawks don't play a game for another month or almost another month. So it wouldn't stun me if he was limited at the outset, um, even if he's back, like just because he is a premium asset for them, like he's a top five pick. He had the injury last year, injury plague season overall. They might want to take it slow with him. But also, this is a new training staff. 
I don't really have a read on them yet because we haven't been around them. So I, I don't really have even a guess there. It just wouldn't stun me if they were like, all right, maybe the outer's on a, minute, on a minutes limit early on. But maybe it's like 25 minutes instead of 30. I, I don't know. But it wouldn't that, that, that wouldn't surprise me, but we're all guessing until they tell us otherwise. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're going to ease him back in and not like try to kill him and like hurt him again, so... You, you, you and I just both what know I, that last... I mean, that's why I mentioned the trade staff thing, is that last year and in previous years, pretty much any injury for a Hawk required a minutes limit on the way back, on the way back in. Any long-term injury, there was always a minutes limit on, on everybody, basically. Yeah, I, I have no, like, real criticism of the training staff, but I feel like it was, like, a lot of, like, this is what we do when this happens. Like, it's always 15 and 25, and, like, hopefully the new staff will be more just, like, you know is the guy hurt or not? Like, let's not just like play him. I don't know. Like, it was just like, like you said, it was, I was so like, when someone came back, they would almost always play 15. Then the next stage was like 25. And then after that, it was like, all, all the res- they would never even tell you the restrictions were off. You well, that's well, especially, yeah. especially with Nate. Um, he was not, he's not going to ever tell you anything, which is, uh, people are going to figure, I think probably noticed it last year, but over the course of 82 games, it'll become even more apparent Nate does not like to give any information about anything. So just just know that going in as you're listening or you're reading uh, people that listen to the podcast, Nate is not a big information chair in terms of like rotations or injuries or updates of any kind. So just know that ahead of time. I mean, there's there's nothing to be gained from it from his side. Well, and that's why I'm just saying like, it's not great for people like us that would like to know like what's happening. Um, He's just not really that kind of coach, which is okay. Um, Anyway, I expect DeAndre, if he's healthy, to be good on both ends of the floor. I think he will be their starting small forward, barring a health issue, uh, for the entire season, I would imagine. Um, and- so do you, do you think he'll start? Obviously, we have no idea about the, thing, the injury, but do you think they'll start him right away? Because if he's not playing as many minutes, it would probably make sense to start someone else. Well, there. This is, the good thing about this year is that there is a like pretty full-size preseason and training camp. So, like... As long as he's able to play twenty five minutes or more, I think you just start him um, to get it to get the lineups just sort of ready to go. Because I think everyone they've not said this; they probably won't say it. Maybe they will on Monday. I don't really know what Nate's going to say, but I think everyone is assuming it will be Trey, Bogey, Hunter, Collins, and Capella. And if that's what they think and that's what they want to do, there is some benefit to getting that unit you know up and running. Um, I, I mean, if, if Hunter is really limited. Then maybe you start her, or you maybe you start Cam. One of those two. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm still until I know otherwise, or know that he's really limited, or not going to be available. I'm just going to assume he's going to start from day one. I, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but um, you know they're obviously very invested in him, and he's the best option if he's healthy. So I'm defaulting to that. Free Cam Reddish. Listen, Cam is a uh, very good. We we like Cam. Cam is not as good as DeAndre Hunter right now. Uh, and nah, I, I would I, I, I agree would fight you. anyone on that. Uh, I know they're are still some cam uh, extremists out there, but Deandre is a lot better than cam right now. It is interesting. If, um, if Hunter is unavailable or not starting the first game, it is interesting at a certain point, if we had what they would do. Thought, yeah. If it would be Herder or Reddish. And, yeah. I mean, I guess we, I guess we, we knew, we didn't know the opponent. I, I almost said it, I guess it depends on the opponent. Uh, probably Reddish for Don. Luka, I was going to say, given who they're playing, I think they probably would start Reddish, but, uh, we will save all those takes for a 
four weeks from now when it's going to happen. Yeah. By the way, the opener, as we record this, is four weeks away, four weeks from tonight. Yeah. So. I was going to say we're ahead of ourselves, but we're not that far ahead of ourselves. No, four weeks is not that long. Um, at any rate, you know, the good thing about Hunter, I mean, obviously lots of good things, but we've, I've sort of cited the EPM and 538 for st- stuff for all these guys, and I'll be a completist and do this now for Hunter. He was an 80, 84th percentile player last year on EPM. That's very, very good for a second-year guy in particular. And 538 had him for almost $10 million in value in only 700 minutes. So that tells you how good he was when he's playing. Um, and I mean, I don't want to, like, say this in, like, a way to, like, just it's like a hot take or something. It's just a fact. If he played like he did for those 17 games for 90% of the season, he's a max player. Oh, no, that's not even a hot take. I don't think. Yeah, that's what I I'm mean, saying. It sounds like – it might sound it like – It does. You know, like, I, I, yeah. I agree. It's, you, yeah. probably, you probably have to couch it. But, no, I – you know – it's, if all it's that, completely if all that was just, real, it's a fact. Like, yeah, if you yeah. if you translated what he did, and not just not, not just the counting stats, but the efficiency, the defense, all of it. Not even you can even take off the fifty nine percent and make it. Yeah, like 50, just norm, normalize like, the true shooting to like sixty percent instead of sixty five percent. And no, I totally agree. I mean, guys who are six eight, who are two way players who can create for their own create their own offense on, on offense, like getting their own shots up and be able to score, and be a good defender. Like, yeah, I mean. That's, so it's like that's what I mean. Like I'm not trying to say he was a max player last season, but the facts are for 17 games he was. Yeah, no, it's not. That's not crazy at all. Yeah. I, I think a year from now, when he's extension eligible, by the way, we're a year away from that. Um, when he and Cam are extension eligible, if he were to put together a, you know, pretty full season of doing similar to that, he's gonna rightfully ask for 100 million dollars or more. So. Yeah. And we'll I mean, see. That's a long way away from now. He has to do it. He has to stay healthy. There's lots of things he has to check off. But you're not wrong. I mean, that's the price of doing business for a guy. I mean, there were a lot of people, and you can take it or leave it, but there are a lot of people that I trust, that I think are smart, that would have told you that he was their second-best player when he got hurt last season. Like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't quite, like, all the way there on that, but it wasn't a crazy thought for how he was playing at the time. Yeah, I mean, especially with how good he was shooting. I mean, he obviously was, like – if you have someone who's shooting 59% from mid, like deep mid-range and they actually shoot that shot a decent amount combined with all the other stuff he was doing, I mean, outside of like your superstar small forwards, there probably wasn't anyone playing better. Like outside of like Tatum and LeBron and whoever else is classifies <laughs> as a small forward in these days, like he was playing like at an all-star level for sure. Yeah, we'll see what it looks like. Um, and again, I'm uh, hopefully going to get a hold of the audio and maybe even post it from what Travis says on Friday about all of this stuff. But I'm confident he'll be asked about DeAndre, and hopefully he'll give an answer that gives us more of an update on what we have so far health-wise. But ever, until then, you know, he, it's a question. I'm not going to call DeAndre Hunter injury-prone, but he basically had an injury-plagued season when he tried to come back, had false starts last year with the knee. Because even when he wasn't playing, there were two or three times where he ramped up last year. They didn't play him. They finally brought him back, and he didn't look great. And then he played in the next series, then he got hurt again. So, and it's all the same knee. So it's like, that's not great. I'm not, I'm also not to the point where I'm like forever worried about it at the same time. So we're in this weird zone right now where it's an issue to keep an eye on, but it's also not like, yeah, it's not, I don't know. If he had, if if he blew his knee out and was like gone for 15 months, that's a bigger deal than this, but it's also like, it's been a year essentially since he or close to a year since he was starting to battle his knee and we'll see it's just part of the Kawhi comp at this point 
Oh yeah, there is, it he is. Gonna, is he going to lose trust in the Hawks? Ba- ba- baby Kawhi, baby, he'll, he'll get traded for uh, forty cents of the dollar. Um, Hopefully not. Sorry, sorry, Spurs fans. Um, all right, Zach. Well, that's probably it for me on all the player capsules. But if you have any final thoughts, please feel free to share them. If not, uh, plug plug piece your hoops because people should be reading it all the time. It should be bookmarked. The season's coming, and if you're uh, out on Hawks content in the off season, it's time to write back up. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to clarify on the Jalen Johnson tangent. My only point was not, was not to bring him up. My point was play him over either of those guys. If like, there's like 10 minutes available, that was my only point, but yeah, read peace Three hoops, player previews. We're like winding down, probably going to finish around media day. Might have a couple after media day, like might save Trey and the cons or someone for after media day, but Winding that down, we got a top 100 uh, list from ESPN and SI, a lot of Hawks players on those. So, you know, go check out the whole list. But also, if you just want to more like zoomed in on the Hawks, we have write-ups on those two lists. And, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Hawks basketball season is like – I'm going to say it's here. It's back. Hawks are back. Let's go. The season is basically here. I mean, essentially it opens – as we're recording this, it opens Friday. I mean, as soon as Travis is talking into a, into a microphone, the season starts. So I mean, I have like real stuff I can be like, all right, I gotta write this. Not There's like, like uh, uh, yeah, I don't have to like dig under like the cracks of the internet and be like, uh, <laughs> I can like, I can write this. So for everybody listening, you know, Friday is Travis Schlank, Monday is Media Day, and that um, that features all the players and Nate. So uh, everyone relevant in the organization, outside of maybe Tony Wrestler, will be speaking over the next four days. So. Lots of content to come, I'm sure, on this podcast, as well as uh, Zach's stuff at Peace Through Hoops with Glenn and Graham and Rashad and Wes and everybody else, Andrew, everybody else that's over there at Peace Tree. Uh, I, I will miss being there, but I'll also be in Slack to bug you guys, so it'll be fun. NBA's back. <laughs> NBA is back. All right, everybody, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.